So listen, I'm sorry. No, I'm not apologizing already for uh, the sermon that you're about to hear. Uh, or that I'm the youth pastor and I'm used to saying sorry because youth break everything. Uh, and I've got to apologize often. Um, but that is today's topic. We're going to be talking about those words that I am sorry. And when I was talking to people and asking them about this sermon series uh, or this, this word, right? I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about this word Sorry. And people are like, oof, that's a hard word. Like, I don't know if you agree that you're like, hey, yeah, that's actually, like, that's a hard word. And I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? Actually, I think it is one of those words that, like, it's a hard word sometimes to say is what people were saying. Um, but I think sometimes it's actually a pretty easy word to say. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in the grocery store where you're walking and you're down the cereal aisle and you look and you've got Captain Crunch over here, right? You've got to get to that cereal. But there's somebody in the way. Right? I think it's Canada, we say this phrase all the time, we're like, oh, sorry, I gotta squeeze past you here. Uh, and we go and we grab our cereal or anything in the grocery store. That I think we say sorry often, but I think sorry is one of those words that's actually really hard for us to mean in our saying. And this goes that way with our kids all the time. I got three kids, uh, so the amount of times that I hear sorry is pretty limited. Um, and my son, so just this past week, my son uh, and my daughter, she's one, he's three. And there's this toy, and this toy's got lights, and it's shining. It looks really fun, right? My daughter, she's younger, she grabs it, and she starts playing with it. My son, he sees this, and he's like, well, now I want this toy. I didn't want it before, but now I do, uh, because you have it. And he goes, and he, like, two-hand pushes her to the ground. And she falls down, she's crying, right? I take the toy away from him, I give it back to her, and I say to my son, I say, Oliver? Uh, you've got to say sorry. And at this point, um, right, he, he's not verbal, but he's got some sign languages, right? So uh, he knows sorry, sorry, right? Um, he knows it. Uh, so I say, Oliver, say sorry. He looks at me, puts out his lip, and shakes his head. Uh, then he knows. So I say, okay, okay, Oliver, you've got to say sorry. Like if we take something, we've got to say sorry. Again, he puts out his lip and refuses. Like, now he's not even looking at me. He breaks eye contact. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. The third time. Third time's a charm, right? All right, Oliver, say sorry. And then he, like, fat lip again. This time he cries, runs into my arms crying. Uh, didn't say it. I don't know if I, I just gave up at that point. I didn't know where else to go, uh, right? Uh, and even with my daughter, uh, that this is, like, I think this is one of those things that's just really hard for kids to say that. Uh, maybe it's just my kids. Um, because maybe I example it, uh, that I have a hard time saying it, uh, and that's why they have a hard time. But my daughter, uh, recently I, I have to go up to her, and I'm talking to her, and I'm like, hey, Lucy, uh, the way that you were talking to your mother, like, that's not okay, right? Like, we need to treat each other with kindness, uh, that you need to be able to say sorry. To me, she says, no. Uh, and I say, okay. Uh, what we're going to do is, like, you like, you got to have some alone time until you're able to come and say sorry. So when, whenever you're ready, you come join us, okay? Uh, so she comes, and she joins us, and she uh, looks at her mom, and she says, <clears throat> I'm sorry. And we're like, what's that? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, again, third time's a charm. Lucy, um, like, what are you saying? Uh, she says, I'm sorry. And then she runs away. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we got the word um, but did we actually get the meaning? And I understand completely what she's doing there, right? Like there's sometimes I come home from work and I'm like, oh, like my wife, Angel, she's pretty silent. 
Like sometimes I feel like you're getting the cold shoulder and you're like, I have no idea why. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, there's been like probably this long list of things. There's probably something I did. Uh, so I'll go and I, I go up to her and I say, hey, just because I want things to be normal and things to be good, right? So I'm like, hey, uh, Angel, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, thanks. That means a lot. Uh, what are you sorry about? And I'm like, ah, she got me. Uh, I have no idea, right? I think that sometimes we just say sorry uh, just to either get out of something. And it's hard. It's one of those words that we can say quite easily, um, but it is really hard for us to mean. And now I'm realizing when I need to get to my next slide that I never grabbed the clicker. Uh, so if somebody doesn't mind running that clicker, that would be fantastic. But here's the thing. Uh, the word sorry, uh, if we actually mean that word, I think it has immense, thanks Dan, uh, I think it has immense power to change. Right? To change our lives, to change our circumstances, to change our emotions, to change our feelings, to change our relationships. If we say sorry and we truly mean it, I think it has the power to, to change. But I think these words are more easily said than done. We're in week two of our three-week sermon series uh, all about prayer. And these are the three words we're focusing on. We're focusing in on please, sorry, and thanks. So last week, Matt talked about please, going to God in our questions, going to God in all things, right? Uh, to going to God in petition, that it's not always polite, but it's persistent, right? That God wants us to go to him in all things. Why? Because he actually cares about us, and he cares about our things. Today, we're going to be talking about saying sorry in prayer. Like, how can we say sorry, apologize, and to repent, and to move forward. In 1 John 1, 8-9, it says this, If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Right? If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. I think this is something that we fall into all the time because this is an easier thing to do, right? It's way easier to say, you know what? Uh, have you guys seen Dan, right? Like that guy's a terrible person. Like look at all the things that he's doing. And we like to focus in on other people's wrongdoing instead of actually looking into ourselves, of looking into the things that we're doing, right? It makes us feel better. Like, ah, you know what? Yeah, there's a few things that I do, but that person is way worse, Right? When we talk about sin, which is, which is like, sometimes I always was like, this is a hard topic to talk about, but the more I talk about it, the more I actually find it as this hopeful topic. Um, right? Like, I think it's way easier for us to direct, right? To, to, conf- to claim that we have no sin, push it on somebody else, and actually focus inward. And here's the thing. When we talk about sin, I think sometimes we think it's like, oh, it's like this list of wrongdoings, these rules that we've done wrong that we've got to make right and, and fix, Right? But um, I think when we look at sin, ultimately what sin is, is it is, uh, it is hurting or damaging relationship uh, between these four spheres. I think it is in times when we damage and hurt and break relationship between us and other people. That's sphere number one. It's when we actually break and damage relationship and identity within ourselves. I think it's when we break uh, and damage relationship with the world around us whether that's creation or authorities, whatever that looks like, or I think it's when we break and damage and hurt relationship between us and God. All right? So when we talk about sin, that's what we're talking about. And I think when we look inward, between one of those four things, there's probably something that stands out. Like, oh, yeah, like I said this thing to 
uh, my friend recently or my parent or my, or my kids or my spouse that was pretty damaging and hurtful. Or I believed this thing about myself that was actually pretty damaging and hurtful. Or I've done things outside of what God has intended for me to live, right? Like those things can be hurtful. That's those things that we call sin. Uh, but there's hope, right? We're not just stuck in that. It says that we are, there is hope that if we confess our sins, all right? And confess is simply this. Confess is just an acknowledgement. If we acknowledge our sin to God, right? So, um, right, that's confessing that, confessing that we acknowledge, that we say, yeah, yeah, we're not perfect. We're broken. There's been hurt. Either I've been hurt or I've hurt other people. But here's the thing. When we confess, when we acknowledge, it says that God is faithful and just, all right? He is faithful and just. Ultimately, what faithful and just is, that he is trustworthy, that we can trust what God says. And what does he say he's going to do? Forgive, right? That he is faithful and just, that he is trustworthy to forgive. And what forgiving is, it is a releasing or a let go of. Right, that God is going to release and let go of that, that we don't have to carry that burden, that we don't have to carry that weight, that we can release it and let it go. But it's not just about forgiveness. When we actually forgive, it leads to cleanliness, right? Cleanse us. And I love this phrase, cleanse us, uh, because it is something that is talking about healing, right? That yes, it's been released, it's been let go of, but now we can actually find healing to live the way that God has intended us to live. In 1543, there's a guy, and his name was Nicholas Copernicus, all right? And he said, he published some works and some writings, uh, and he published something that was highly controversial. And let me tell you what it was. This is what it's saying was, it said that the universe does not revolve around the earth, right? Our solar system actually revolves around the sun. Controversial stuff, eh? Right? Well, maybe not for us. Uh, pretty silent here. But for the first time, could you imagine? Before that, everybody believed that the solar system, that the universe, it, it, it rotated around the earth. Everything revolved around the earth. Could you imagine hearing something different at that time? Completely, completely controversial. That is some big, big stuff. But here's the thing. I think we're in the need of another Copernicus revolution. Okay? And what I mean by that is the world doesn't revolve around me. Right? The world doesn't revolve around you. I watched this uh, video recently, and this is this is guy in his 30s. And he's like, I just came to the realization. I don't know if anybody else has come to this realization, but he's like, you know that my, like, my parents, like my mom, my dad, my siblings, my brother, sister, my friends, that they're, you know, like they're not secondary characters in my story. He's like, you know what? Like I'm the main character. Everybody around is secondary stories or characters. He's like, you know what? They're actually their own main character that has their, like I'm actually their secondary character, right? Like realizing that the world doesn't actually revolve around us. And I realized when we're younger, right? I said, I got a one-year-old. Um, when she screams, we run and to go help. Give her a bottle, especially as babies in the middle of the night or change their diaper or get them food or get them a toy. Right? You can see how when we're younger, the world really does seem to revolve around us. But at some point, we've got to make this switch from me to we. Okay? At some point, we've got to make a switch from me to we. And you may be wondering, so what does this have anything to do with saying sorry? And here's the thing. I think that when we are selfish, or selfish people have a really hard time saying sorry, 
Right? We had selfish people who have not learned to put them, themselves in other people's shoes. Right? We can deny responsibility, shift blame, or even play the victim. When we acknowledge our sin, right, we are no longer trapped by it. When we acknowledge our sin, we actually now know that we can actually make a decision that is other or different than that thing and be able to move a life that's, or live a life that's the one that we can actually change. Right? When you realize that there are other people in the world you can recognize that they have their own journeys, their own path, their own joys, their own struggles, and their own pains. Because here's the thing, that everybody is fighting their own battle that we know nothing about. And when people are hurt, they tend to hurt others. That hurt people hurt people. And in no way does this actually excuse people's bad behavior, but it puts it into perspective. Like it helps me to understand the words of Christ when his creation put him up on the cross to die. And he says these words, forgive him, Father, for they don't know what they've done. Help us understand what other people are experiencing. And I think this comes with vulnerability. When we are vulnerable, right? When we get hurt, oh, sometimes that really hurts. But now when we are hurt, we know how we can hurt other people, right? And vulnerability, that's called a revenge. Like when we are hurt, we know what's gonna actually hurt somebody else or we can see vulnerability in this way. When we are hurt, we know what hurts other people. That we can actually feel sorry and that we can actually have empathy. That we need to be able to have empathy with other people, understanding that hurt people hurt people. That we need to walk in somebody else's shoes. That we need to have empathy without carrying a burden. When we, each, when we understand that each person is carrying their own stuff, right, it gives us a little bit more grace in the midst of our own hurt. It's not just about saying sorry, but it's about extending forgiveness as well. I had this friend, and we were friends since like junior high, and we hung out all the time. We grew up in a small town, so it would be like, hey, let's go for a bike ride, and you just go biking around and doing all kinds of things. We played sports together. Uh, we went to youth group together. The amount of times that this guy helped me grow in my faith, incredible. Um, enough so that we actually even went to college together. So we were friends from like middle school all the way to college. That it's like one of these things where it's like, we're going to be lifelong, we're going to be lifelong friends. Enough so that we were in each other's wedding parties. But eventually we both moved into different cities and we kind of had this thing where like, hey, if we're in each other's cities, like we're going to go and we're going to visit and we're going to be intentional. We're going to see each other a couple times a year. Uh, and I remember a few times I'm sitting in the coffee shop waiting for him and I get a text because we've made these plans and I get a text that says, hey, sorry, I'm not going to make it with no explanation, no nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay, he must be busy. Uh, and then not hearing from him for months. And then all of a sudden we'd rekindle, rekindle, we'd go hang out and everything's good. Uh, and once we were trying and we planned this trip, it took us like a year to plan this trip, uh, and we're about to go. Two weeks later, he cancels and leaves me to, to go and do it by myself, to go on the trip by myself. In that, I was angry. I was hurt. <laughs> Like, I was so frustrated. Like, I was like, I thought what we had here was actually more meaningful than this. And I was so frustrated and so hurt. And I let it just go by. I'm like, oh, whatever. I just let it go by. Um, but then somebody would mention his name. And I could just feel, like, my whole body getting tense and just getting frustrated and all those emotions being brought right back to the surface. And I remember being like, I can't actually, I can't actually live with this any longer. I need to try to find a way to forgive this guy uh, for these things. And I, I remember just going to prayer and asking God, and God just brought me back to this guy's childhood, where I was just reminded that even at just this young age that is 
Essentially, his mom left and went and started another family. His dad worked shift work that would leave him by himself for weeks on end as a, as a middle school student. And he was abandoned lots as a kid. And he was, just, he was just essentially practicing what was exampled to him. When I could put myself in his shoes, things started to make more sense. It wasn't that I like, oh, everything's excused, it's all fine, right? It still, it still hurt. But when I was able to empathize with him and realize that he was hurt and that in his hurt, he hurt, right? We were able to offer empathy that results in forgiveness. And right now you might be thinking, you're like, okay, I thought we were talking about saying sorry in prayer. Like, where, when are we going to get to that part? Um, but here's the thing. I think saying sorry involves saying I forgive you. I'm going to say that again. Saying sorry involves saying I forgive you, that I think the two go hand in hand. Like you can't have saying sorry without saying I forgive you. Those things are directly correlated, right? Like they go together. They need to go together. Forgiving others is part of saying I am sorry. And this is exampled in the Lord's Prayer. So the one time, right, where Jesus' disciples are like, hey, teach us to be like you. And Jesus says this. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says this, um, forgive us our trespasses. Okay, that's the opportunity in the prayer to say, hey, I'm sorry. But then in the same, that's not it, right? In the same sentence, he says this, and forgive those who have trespassed against us. Saying I'm sorry and saying I forgive you are are, are together. They are linked so when I say, when we talk about saying sorry, that forgiveness always has to be a part of it. Right? We understand that hurt people hurt people. We're able to offer empathy that results in forgiveness. And this continues. Jesus continues right after he's talking about the Lord's Prayer. He says this, and if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Oh, that sounds great. I like that part of the verse. Uh, but if you keep reading, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. Now, I don't like that part so much, right? That's, that's a hard part of this idea of forgiveness, right? And here's the thing. If we do not forgive others, we will not recognize the forgiveness that has been offered to us. It's almost hypocritical. Yeah, 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 I'm going to say sorry and sorry and sorry, and I'm going to receive forgiveness, but I'm unwilling to forgive other people. It doesn't work that way. We need to be able to forgive. But forgiving is hard because we've been hurt. We've been hurt. And when we're hurt, we have a few responses. And I think one of the first responses, this is my response, is aggression. I get pretty angry. Maybe I don't always get angry like outwardly, but there is something brewing inside of me when I get hurt. But there is anger. And then I think another response is that we actually repress it. And we just pretend, ah, everything's fine. If I just leave it, things are going to be fine. Right? And we can repress those feelings. Because unforgiveness is difficult. Unforgiveness can be hurtful and damaging to us. Unforgiveness is a state of emotional and mental distress that results from a delayed response of forgiving an offender. It is categorized as indignation, bitterness, a demand for punishment, and restitution. Unforgiveness creates a domino effect that negatively impacts every single part of us. Um, right? It can affect our emotions, our thoughts, our behavior, our body, our spirit, and our relationships. With unforgiveness... Time does not actually heal all wounds. In fact, it most often furthers the wounds. Unforgiveness is kind of like you've got a beach ball and you're trying to hold it underwater. And it's just trying to make its way to the surface, to pop out of that water, to make its way to the surface. And the longer you try, the harder it gets. 
Unforgiveness brings feelings of stress, anxiety, depression, insecurity, and fear. Unforgiveness also creates a hardened heart. A hardened heart that feels anger, resentment, bitterness, and hatred towards that person. Negative emotions start to flood back when you hear that person's name. You start to have a hatred towards that person. Sometimes unforgiveness even brings us to the point where we start to not to joy life, that we feel directionless and we've lost our purpose. Unforgiveness affects us. And I think it affects all of us. And as I'm sharing about unforgiveness, maybe there's something that's, or somebody or some situation that comes to mind that you're thinking of a time that I, I'm still holding on to something that I actually haven't fully been able to let it go. And unforgiveness, it doesn't actually just affect, uh, like affect our mental state or emotional or relational. Unforgiveness can also affect us physically. I was reading into it a little bit and trying to do some research, and they're saying that unforgiveness uh, can actually compromise our physical health. Research has shown that unforgiveness is connected to high blood pressure, weakened immune system, reduced sleep, chronic pain, and cardiovascular problems, all because we hold on to something that we are never meant to hold on to to begin with. So here's the question. Who is forgiveness for? Right? Is it for the person who has offended you? To release, to let go of, which we learned a little bit earlier? Or is it for you? to release and let go of the things that we're actually holding on inside and unwilling to let go of. And here's the thing. I think it's both. I think it's both. It's to release that person, but ultimately when we forgive somebody else, we realize that we are actually starting to create room in our lives. So when it says this, right? Uh, But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sin. What I think it's saying is, if we refuse to forgive other people, our life is already so consumed with all the anger, bitterness, resentment, all that kind of stuff that there is no room in our lives to accept the forgiveness or to recognize the forgiveness of God. When we forgive others, we allow room in our lives to experience that, that forgiveness, that cleansing and healing that comes from God. We have now created space for healing to occur. Because here's the thing, we talked about this already, that hurt people hurt people. But even better, forgiven people forgive people. Okay, Hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. When Christ uh, came to earth, right? As God came to earth as, as Jesus, he walked in our shoes. He experienced our experience. He, he experienced the, the joys, the, the fellowship, the... Um, companionship, fellowship, that he experienced those things, but he also experienced pain, sorrow, loss, disappointment, betrayal. That God understands our story, right? That God understands that hurt people hurt people, right? That he offers empathy to forgive so that we can follow in his example and forgive others. God understands our story, understands my story, understands your story, And he says, you're forgiven. Because here's the thing. I think saying sorry helps us experience healing. When we say sorry, we don't just say it to get out of something. Uh, When we say sorry, we need to mean it. Right? Like it was one of those things where my mom would say, uh, say sorry uh, or wait till your dad gets home. Uh, 
And I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? Like, I didn't want to experience the wrath of my father. Uh, So I was like, that's it. I'm going to say sorry. And I think sometimes the same goes with our prayer life. I think sometimes we actually go to God and we confess our sins. But when we confess, we think that it's actually like uh, when we confess that it's admitting something and and then we are going to be punished. Right? That if we say to God in that same way, right? I'm just going to say sorry so I don't get punished, right? Did I really mean it? Or am I just saying it out of fear? That I don't think that our relationship with God is to be the same. Right? I don't think we confess our sins, then we'll experience punishment for our actions. I think when our sin itself and the consequence of sin actually punishes us enough. Instead, let our desire to confess not come out of one out of fear, but one out of cleansing and one out of healing. A name for Jesus is this, that he is the great physician. He says in Luke chapter 5, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Only once we know our sin do we know how to find healing. Right? That sin is more of a disease that needs healing than an action that needs punishment. Okay? Sin is more of a disease that needs healing than an action that needs punishment. Just over a year ago, um, I ran my first marathon. And I know people are like, anybody who runs a marathon, they don't shut up about it. Uh, All right, so uh, I'll be really quick here. Um, So I was training and getting ready for this thing. And I realized about a month before, I'm like, ooh, my ankle is really hurting. Um, But I'm like, I've already trained for months. I'm just going to power through and I'm just going to do it. So I just powered through. I went through it and I'm like feeling it with every single step through that entire thing. It was a miserable but yet joyful experience. I don't know how to explain it, right? Um, But it was mainly miserable, okay? Uh, But afterwards, I was like, I'm going to get this thing fixed. I can't have my ankle like this. I got to get this thing completely fixed. Uh, So I go in and I start talking about my ankle and they're like, okay, yeah, they started feeling my ankle. And they're like, yeah, you got Achilles tendonitis. I'm like, great. Uh, that's terrible. How do I get rid of that thing? Uh, and they're like, well, they're starting, like, they felt my calf, and they're like, your calf is really tight. If you were to loosen your calf, right, then I think it would loosen the muscles, that would help your Achilles, and you start to feel better. And I'm like, okay, so how do I do that? And they're like, well, we got to try to figure out why is your calf so tight? Your left calf's tight, but your right calf's not tight. And they got me, and, they, and I know this is always a bad experience when, when doctors get you to stand on a scale, um, but they got me to stand on a scale. Two scales, actually. One wasn't enough. Uh, and, I, and one on this foot, one on this foot. And as I was standing there, uh, this leg was taking 15 more pounds of weight than this one. And I'm like, that's interesting. Uh, why? And I'm trying to figure that out. And they're like, okay, well, and then they're like feeling around and like, this hip is a few inches higher than this hip. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do about that? Uh, chiropractic, getting some adjustments, figure things out, stretch, all that, like, right? There's the whole treatment plan. But it was only once I was able to acknowledge that my ankle hurt that I was able to get the healing that I needed. I think the same goes with sin in our life. Only when we acknowledge the sin and the things that are going on in our life In return, we don't find punishment, but what we find is healing to that area, right? So what's actually stopping us from saying sorry? What is stopping us from saying sorry? Because this is a great thing. Like, as I was saying, like, sometimes it's hard to talk about this word sin because it seems so dreadful, but the more I do it, the more I find hope that I'm like, ah, actually, if we confess our sin, we find healing, that we find forgiveness. We find these things that we were never meant to hold on to, that we actually find something that's really, really good, but why do we insist 
to hold on to it. Even though it's not good for us, we did this whole list of holding on to unforgiveness and why it's bad for us. And the thing is, when we actually hold on to uh, sin, it is actually uh, the same thing, right? When we actually hold on to without saying sorry, it's the same thing. It's like a beach ball that we're trying to hold down. Why are we holding on to that guilt, shame, frustration when we can actually let it go? And I think it's this. Number one, sometimes I think other people are stopping us from saying sorry. Other people are stopping us from saying sorry. Because sometimes we view people as resources or places or areas to get ahead. Nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. I mean, maybe you do. I don't. Uh, I don't like to admit that I'm wrong because if I do, then I'm not seen as perfect that maybe that other person is going to get that promotion ahead of me or maybe that other person, right? Like I like to focus outward that I don't want to say sorry because I do not want to accept blame and responsibility, right? We let other people actually get in the way. And we actually feel and we experience the consequences of unforgiveness, of anxiousness, stress, and resentment, right? But I don't want to admit fault because I might lose my footing, might lose the upper hand with that other person. And I said before that saying sorry and forgiveness are two in the same, right? They go together. So what's stopping us from saying you're forgiven? And I think this, I think that we've been hurt. I think that every single person here has actually been hurt and probably been hurt pretty bad. And we hold on to that unforgiveness and we don't want to let it go. Because when we actually, when we hold on to it, we actually hold a position of power over the other person, right? That we hold something that you owe me. And as soon as I say you're forgiven, that you have released that and now you're on the same playing field, right? We can no longer play the victim. And that feels scary, right? Because sometimes it's good to have that power. But holding on to unforgiveness, it's said, is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person will die doesn't make sense. It's only damaging and hurting ourselves, but it can stop us from saying sorry. Another thing is ourselves, right? Sometimes we have a hard time just saying sorry because of ourselves. Like I said earlier, it is really, really easy for us to focus in on what other people are doing wrong without looking inward. So much more fun to talk about uh, than talking about what's going on here, right? About talking about other people. But that's not what we're supposed to do. It doesn't say uh, acknowledge the sins of other people. It talks about when we acknowledge our sin, right? That we should actually not deny, but actually look inward. But that can stop us from saying sorry. I've heard it said that uh, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. And maybe there's people here right now that you're feeling that. They're like, if only people knew what I did. If only people knew the hurt that I caused other people. I am not worthy of forgiveness. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son, right? He says, I am not worthy to be called your son. I think sometimes we have that feeling where I'm not worthy of going to God and experiencing forgiveness because of these things that either we've done or sometimes these things that have actually been done to us. But here's the thing, in Christ, you are new. In Christ, you are a new creation. What God has done for you on the cross when his own creation put him up there and he said, forgive him, Father, for they don't know what they've done. This forgiveness that is example is something that is actually offered to each and every one of us. So maybe you need to experience truth to accept forgiveness, that you are worthy of love, that you are worthy of life, and that you are worthy of forgiveness. Why? Because you are created in God's image, that you are a child of God. 
I think another thing that stops us from saying sorry to God is, or saying sorry is our perception of God, right? That if we view God as angry, judgmental, right? I'm going to hide my sins from that guy. Like, I don't actually want to be punished, right? So I'm going to hide those things. And I think we can get into there that we don't say sorry out of fear. But we see this. In Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, we see a story where uh, Adam and Eve, they fall into sin, uh, and they're, they're waiting for this consequence. So what do they do? They run and hide, right? They disappear because they don't want to actually face up to it. But God, he goes and he's walking in the garden and he finds them. And instead of giving them the consequence that they deserve, right, he actually clothes them in mercy, in grace, and forgiveness, Yeah, sure, there are still consequences for those actions, but God's disposition towards his creation is one of the love, forgiveness, and it's always been that way, right? When we go to God in our sin, our shame, our guilt, our embarrassment, instead we actually, and we're waiting to experience wrath or anger, what we do is we actually start to experience warmth, empathy, grace, and forgiveness, right? That the sin that we've experienced and this guilt and this loneliness, you can feel again, right? It's like this beach ball that we're pushing underneath the surface of the water. But when we actually let go of that and we say, I'm sorry, when we let go of that and we say, you're forgiven, we realize that a beach ball is never intended to live underneath the water. When it comes to the surface, you find that freedom. So again, when we go to God and we say, I'm sorry, who's it for? Right? Are we actually saying sorry to God? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Like God knows these things, that he already knows uh, what we've done, what's happened. But when we say sorry, I think we also benefit. We've released what we're trying to push down to actually open us up to find healing that God desires for us. When we say sorry, I think it's for both. It's both, both for God and for us. Why? Because two, it takes two parties to have a relationship. When we say sorry, it mends that relationship that's broken. So how do we do it? How do we do it within our own prayer life? How do we say sorry? So when we say sorry, I'm going to suggest two things. I think the first thing is we say it often, right? As Jesus was exampling his prayer, a prayer that we're supposed to say daily, he's telling us to say sorry, right? Like, would this really work if I go to my wife? We just got married. And I say, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm pretty broken. I'm going to screw up. It's going to happen. Um, But I'm sorry, right? Are we good? Like, we're good for the, next, the rest of our marriage? Yeah. Uh, past, present, future things? Fantastic. Great. Uh, and that's it. Do you think our marriage would be that healthy? Probably not. Uh, so maybe I should say it more often um, that I'm sorry. So yes, we look at the cross and we realize that this is forgiveness offered for past, present, future. But that doesn't mean that we can just continue going on and doing what we do. We go often to God and we say Sorry that it starts to bring up this idea that we no longer need to be trapped by these sins, but that we can actually find freedom. When we acknowledge, we actually acknowledge that we also have a choice, a choice to move in a different direction. Lastly, when we say sorry, let's be specific. I think we can quite often just be ambiguous, right? Where my wife at the beginning of the story where I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. And then she says, what are you sorry for? Uh, And I'm like, you got me there. Um, when we go to God, we'd be specific instead of just being ambiguous. Cause when we say sorry, ambiguously, I think we actually experience forgiveness ambiguously. When we are specific, like the story that I was sharing about my ankle, that when we are specific, then do we actually realize these are the things that we have a decision to actually change 
that we don't need to hold on to that, that we can be forgiven, that actually creates room and space for us to experience the love that God has for us because we are not burdened down by those other things. Be specific in our prayer. So we're going to be jumping into uh, this next song. And as we are in this next song, I want to encourage us just to ask a few questions and put this stuff into practice. Like I said, saying sorry goes hand in hand with saying you're forgiven or I forgive you. They go hand in hand, but it's not one of those things that we're like, ah, this is a concept. Uh, No, this is something that we put into practice. And as we put into practice, we actually get to experience the freedom and the life that God has designed for us. We don't need to be stuck. So here are three questions as we go into this last song. Number one, is there someone I need to forgive? Okay, so think about that. Is there someone I need to forgive? Like when that person's name comes up, it just, I just feel tense. We don't need to hold on to that. We can say, I forgive you. And here's the thing, that sometimes we think outwardly and we think, oh, it's probably somebody else who's hurt me. But maybe sometimes we actually need to forgive ourselves. So is there somebody that I need to forgive? Right? Other people, but also including ourselves. The next question is this. Is there something I need to confess to God or to others? Is there something I need to say sorry about? In this next song, let's just go for it. Take that time and just say I'm sorry. And lastly... What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Right? We've got the fear of other people or ourselves or even God and our perceptions of that, but when we actually accept and acknowledge and confess, we find forgiveness and we find healing. Let me pray. God, we want to thank you. I want to thank you that even within creation's darkest moments where we said we don't actually need a God that we can do things on our own and we put you up on the cross to die, that you offered forgiveness, that you offered life, that we don't have to experience death, uh, even death here in this life, that we can experience life and everlasting life from this moment forward, and we thank you. So God, help us to overcome some of those fears, to be able to go and say, look, I'm sorry and find a releasing from that burden, or to say, hey, I forgive you. I don't need to hold on to that. So God, give us the courage and bravery to live the life that you have intended for us. Amen. It says that God is, is faithful and just. Right? That God is trustworthy to forgive. That when we go to God and we say, I'm sorry, instead of anger, what we find is empathy and grace and mercy and forgiveness. To be healed, to live this life that God has for us. If you're here that you feel like, yeah, I've been holding things underwater, I've been holding that beach ball underwater for a long time, and you feel like, I just need to actually just let that thing go, to realize it was never meant or intended to be held down but I just want to encourage you that what it takes essentially is just to say, hey, I'm sorry, right? That I am not the Lord of my own life, that I need you. And as we go to God, we find mercy. It says in James chapter five, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We don't do this journey alone. Yes, we confess to God, but we can also confess to each other 
And as we do, we find that we're not alone. You can find healing in the prayers with other people. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking for prayer this morning, either on saying sorry, or maybe it's for forgiving somebody else, or maybe something's going on in your life that you're like, I can't do this alone, that I just need to go in prayer, that we have prayer teams uh, available at the front to be able to pray for you. But let's pray. God, again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that we can go to you with our most difficult moments, our struggles, our pains, and our sorrow, and our hurt. And even in those moments that we can actually find your grace and your love and your forgiveness, and even in those moments when we hurt other people, that we can find that this doesn't define us, that we can live a new life, one to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So God, help us to be able to be people who say, I'm sorry, and to be people who say, I forgive you. And we pray things in your name. Amen. All right, everyone, just a a reminder that next week we have our uh, church picnic. Bring your own lunch and a lawn chair, and we're going to meet at Trinity Christian School, which is across the street at 12, uh, 15. So come at the 9, get some food, and you're able to come back. But we'll see you all next week. Thanks.